Incoming transmission. The Klingonese word of the day is Gehirth. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. But today, we'll be chatting with the creator and producer of a new podcast, The Novelizers with Andy Richter, where comedy writers novelize popular movies and then have them read by a rotating cast of celebrities. And that creator was also the co-creator of 2776, a billboard-charting sci-fi rock opera starring Will Forte, Aubrey Plaza, Amy Mann, Maria Bamford, and more, has written numerous TV and film projects, including co-writing with his brother Joel Levinson on the film Boy Band, and over 200 episodes of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. He's also the recipient of the highly coveted world's number one dad coffee mug from Dayton, Ohio. It's Steven Levinson. Yeah. (laughs) How you doing, man? Good. I'm just honored for the for the Kermit hands. Hey, you know, I try to I try to really roll out the red carpet as much as I can for folks. So I, I gotta say right off the bat. That world's number one dad coffee mug. I stumbled across that on your on your LinkedIn. And I was like, I can't not put that in his intro. It, I hope even, you're okay with that. I, I am, but it is a lie. My kids have not actually bought me that mug. I'm just I'm just putting it out there and hope that they'll take the hint. Damn it, Steven. We one day present I'll... nothing but the truth here on the Computer Resume podcast. How dare you, sir? <laughs> One day, one day I'll meet the world's number one dad and I will steal his coffee mug. Nice, nice. Now, the one other thing before we get too much further is I got a bone to pick with you. Okay, let's do it. During our very first conversation, you sort of glossed over the fact of like, oh, yeah, I wrote for The Tonight Show. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, let's, you know, let's see, pull it up. 217 episodes <laughs> is that true is that, is that according, according to imdb yeah so, no it's, uh, it doesn't lie yeah yeah, yeah of course <laughs> it's, it's all a blur yeah oh man but yeah this is this is incredible um you know as a comedian myself you know yeah johnny's not waving people over to the couch anymore but like the tonight show still considered like the gold standard it's it, it's a it is a a big red letter achievement for most working comedians yeah i did i did like as a as a young kid some of my first comedy memories were like watching carson at my grandma's house when i was allowed to stay up that late yeah so like being able to write jokes for the tonight show um was fun yeah and you've got a bunch of them on your uh on your website and i i went through and it's it's been a while for me I'll, they're I'll all admit. dated <laughs> yeah those all... <laughs> uh, have like the lifespan of a of a banana Well, yeah, yeah, you know, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, we're kind of getting right into the thick of it here right off the bat. But 
uh, one of the things that I've been discussing with my co-hosts of Cinema Shock over on that show is the idea of comedy having a short shelf life. But then there's other comedy that seems timeless. Any thoughts about the short life, short shelf life of comedy I mean, it is versus comedy I mean, that stands the test of time? I was there for like two and a half years and I was like, I don't know, not, not recently, but I don't know. I was like trying to put up a, like a best of kind of jokes things. And I'm like, oh, that's a Trump joke. That's dated. That's a, that's dated. That's dated. There's not that much. Like only the silly weird ones actually like have any kind of lifespan. Yeah, but, you I know, like, I mean, well, I was can, just going to say, I feel like the more specific you get is where you get into that short shelf life. If you're talking politics, you know, you know, elected officials come and go. So, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. there's I mean, that. It was the, I was a monologue writer. So it was that it was like literally the next day, the joke probably would have, yeah. you know, holdover jokes from one day probably would not last two days later. So, right. Um, but, the, but then there's other stuff that, you know miscommunications between friends or you know uh you know Shakespeare between... Shakespeare yeah <laughs> it can last yeah we weren't writing Shakespeare on that show right 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 yeah but you know and I think it's important to for people to see like in terms of Star Trek um you know how this stuff still works after I mean we're pushing 60 years here and some of those TOS episodes watch just as well today sometimes even better today than they very, did in the 1960s. It was a very forward uh, looking show, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for carving out the time. Um, let's jump into a little bit of get to know you here right off the bat on a scale of one to two. How hilarious is most of the writing on Star Trek? I'm, I'm going to say it's a 0.5. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan. Not, not where I go for laughs. That's fair. That's fair. I think, here more recently, they've been good about uh, integrating more comedy, especially with Lower Decks, you know, Mike McMahon. Yeah, I know that's true. Yeah, from Rick and Morty. They're, you know, they're really spearheading the the comedy side. And a lot of that has actually, I don't know, if, I, I don't know that I would say it bled over, but I think the writing staff on Strange New Worlds has a really good concept of, oh, this is a romantic comedy episode, or the reason this is funny is because it's a spaceship but everybody's dressed like it's the medieval, you know, a medieval setting. I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial on this show. Ooh. I don't want comedy for my for my Star Trek. I want it to be like, yeah, I want it to be just like sincere, unironic. I, you know, when they even when even the films, they went to, you know, they would go to L.A., Spock with the pad and the I don't. Maybe I can make jokes about Star Trek, but Star Trek can't make jokes about Star Trek. So that's <laughs> that's just me. Uh, I'm sure Lower Decks is doing some hilarious stuff. But it's not. Uh, I'll go other places for my comedy. Yeah, they're they're making jokes that are very inside baseball, as it were. Yeah. Uh, very much like you know, I mean, they're keeping it. They're having to walk that very fine line of like, hey, anybody watching this will find this funny. And uh, juxtaposed with like hardcore trekkers are really gonna find this funny. Let um, me make the jokes for the for the hardcore trekkers. <laughs> they can they can just keep making the track. Nice. Well, I made the comparison to baseball. So uh, I'd like to actually confirm a couple of your baseball stats if that's. Oh, yeah, let's uh, do that, it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, where did you go to school? Uh, University of Michigan. Oh, nice. Nice. And uh, what'd you study? English lit. Smart. Nice. Yeah. I've heard no, uh, smart, but... comedy and comedy writers kind of like English and philosophy are actually the big ones. Yeah. Uh, sex. Um, 
how many bases did you steal last year? Half of them, maybe like half 50, of the bases. 60%. Yeah. I'm going to say that's on the low side. And oh. that's why we have to trade you to Oakland. Um, okay. I'm going to send you Jack's number. His office is going to handle everything. Um, we wish you the best of luck, but we are going to need you to clean your clean out your locker before five o'clock. Oh, okay. I tried. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, we've already talked about a couple of your credits here, but uh, I want to get into that very first thing, you know, that that foot in the door credit that, you know, really set you off and really kind of got you, uh, you know, in the industry, hitting the ground running. Uh, what is that first or that early credit? What What is that? Okay, I didn't hit the ground running. No? <laughs> I will tell you my first credit. Uh, it was a show called, it was this weirdest show you've never heard of called, uh, it's called Good Morning Today. And uh, it, you're, a, you're a bit of a nerd like myself, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. see if even you can handle the concept for this show. Uh, it was a morning show. Okay. Set in an alternate universe. Very much like our own, but with some strange differences. It was okay. filmed on the Jim Henson lot in L.A., and the hosts were all animate, uh, computer rendered live puppets, uh, which I can tell you about if you're interested in. But the yeah. guests were all real people playing an alternate reality version of themselves. I, to be honest, I'm in. Like, I know, you, right? Uh, that how, sounds. How like was that show not a hit? How would that show get canceled after <laughs> probably the first episode? But it did. Really, after the first episode? I think the network. So. Uh, the story with that show is that there was a brand new network called Fusion, uh, which yes. is, yeah, may it rest in peace, Fusion yeah. Network. Uh, <laughs> and they had this big coup. They managed to get the head writer of The Daily Show wow. on board to make some shows for them, two shows for them. But they And they were like, do whatever you want. And he was like, well, whatever I want. Okay. I would like to make an alternate reality new show, morning show set in an alternate universe with puppets and yeah. It so, sounds it sounds like it's got a little bit of um I mean you can see I mean you can obviously go see tell where me the, what show that's like. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's that. Yeah. It, I mean the the daily show influence is obvious, but it kind of sounds a little bit like uh Space Ghost Coast to Coast, if you recall. Yeah, there was some uh I would say there was some Space Ghost influence. Um okay. yeah, it was maybe I don't so I'll give you an example. Like they had we had Weird Al as a guest. Um oh. Amazing childhood, you know, he's one of the my people who got me into comedy. Uh, so he played this like super serious version of himself, but he recorded all the same songs in that world. But he was like, if you smiled, he would like stop because he was offended. So <laughs> it was it was a fun. If you I don't I don't think you can find it on the internet anymore. But I challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, but it was like a dream job. I was like. I, I was kind of a late bloomer comedy writing wise. Mm. Um, slaving, I, I moved to New York after college from uh, Michigan. Thought I was going to like, okay, I'm here. You can hire me for, for comedy now. And that right. didn't happen. And then I was like, okay, I'll just uh, work a bunch of temp jobs because I have no idea how this works. Finally crawled my way up to uh, crawled my way up to that job. And then I was like, moved to LA and Henson lot and everything is beautiful and wonderful. And the show is so weird. And I'm wearing working for the daily show head writer and then yeah, it was it was like the perfect dream job until the network execs saw the pilot and they were oh. like no <laughs> oh it breaks your heart because i feel like i feel like that would have been it, it it you know maybe it's cliche to say but it sounds like that's one of those things that was like it, it was ahead of its time 
I um, think it could have developed a cult following. I'll, I'll tell you how it was a brand new network. My mom, who is like my most devoted fan, could not figure out a way to watch this show. And if she couldn't watch it, like <laughs> no one can. They were like, we don't want to put we don't want to put it up on YouTube for free because that will cut into our like advertising dollars. Like no one knows about this show. Jeez. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'll have my I'll have my minions look into it, and I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> if you find it, show it to me because it was absolutely, crazy. absolutely. Uh, so weird ass show. From that point, like it's it's a while yet before you get the Tonight Show. So you know, in looking at your resume, I see a lot of like shorts and TV things. But like at this point, were you out in LA? You said Good Morning Today was LA, right? Yeah. So I moved moved to LA. I lived in New York for many years. I I was actually I worked at Comedy Central uh, in their mobile department. I built this Futurama app that was like yeah. a head in the jar creator thing. That yeah, was, I saw uh, that. That's awesome. That was fun. Uh, and then moved to LA. Um, that show got canceled instantly, but stayed out there for like two and a half years. Uh, and then I was just doing odd, odd stuff. I don't even remember the time. What did I do out there? I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, is it, I mean, you know, the process for actors, you know, they post auditions seemingly everywhere and, you know, you have uh, representation that says, Hey, you know, that works with casting and all that stuff to sort of make those connections and make sure those things are a right fit and yada, yada, yada. Is it similar for writers of like having representation to get you into a writer's room or on a particular project with a studio or a network? So everything I know is probably really out of date. Probably the way you get a job in comedy is you have one zillion followers on uh, whatever the latest social media app is, which of is course. no longer Twitter. Of course. But yeah. <laughs> if you have, a, if you have like, X number of X followers, uh, you will get a job. But back in the day when I was uh, when I was out of college, I, no, you have to like you have to make it. You still have to make it on your own, and then an agent is interested. You don't. No agent is like you're funny. I'm going to get you a job, or at least yeah. that never happened to anyone I know. So my path was kind of like doing funny stuff with funny. I, like, and I'm I'm not a performer at all, so I never did stand up really. So I would just. Two funny stuff with funny friends, and one of those funny friends got a job on um, got a job on the Daily Show. And then when I was looking for a job, I sent a packet to this. That's how I got Good Morning Today. They DJ Javerbaum, who's the head writer of that show, liked me. He had you know, so he would send my stuff around. So more like buddies than uh, or people people who are like your work, I guess. There's a big uh, element of you know, preparation, obviously, and, you know, having that education and working really hard and putting together the packet. A lot of people don't understand even the packet. Um, but that, I mean, it's not even a universal, you know, it's not even, it's not even a solely TV or uh, film thing. There's all different types. Of, I mean, it's similar to an actor's reel. It's, it's a packet of, jokes and sketches and you know short snippets of your work correct well yeah i mean it used to be i think you would write a spec script for like an existing sitcom like when i was when i was young there was like you know write your everybody loves raymond episode or write your simpsons episode that's not a thing anymore as far as i know you write a pilot for your like fantasy show 
yeah. it shows off your writing that is that's a non-existing show show that will never get made but it shows your writing that's for mm-hmm. scripted and then for like a show like the tonight show you write a packet of jokes that must be relevant when they read it so you have to have written it like the week you send it in oh wow and then some sketches yeah so you can't like bank jokes you have to be like i'm i'm oh someone will read my packet i need to come up with five pages of great jokes tomorrow and then send them in so they know they're fresh wow but that's the gig i mean the gig is writing 100 jokes a day so you can't spend i mean if you need three months to write those jokes that they're not you're not who they want anyway yeah you got to be able you got to be able to crank it out when they when they need it yeah because i mean because you think a hundred jokes a day. I mean, that's not, that's not fluff. That's not, <laughs> that's for real. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it was, uh, you know, it ground me and they chewed me up and they spit me out. It's uh, it, it's a lot, you know, that's I, I, for me, at least that's like all I did when I like, it, it's not, not a great job if you're like a dad of two young kids and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine uh, lots of, lots of late nights yes. and just pouring over. Yeah. You're kind of always writing. I mean, maybe yeah. other people, uh, were zen about it but as most people in comedy are a little uh neurotic and probably you know ate them from the inside out right so you know let's flash forward a little bit to uh to i'm not getting you show. down am i with the no no okay this is all stuff that i kind of knew in the back of my head all right, just, yeah. I, you know i've had a couple of comedians on the show of varying success rates i don't want to say any of them love their job I'm sorry. Any of, them, any of them cheerful people who love their work <laughs> they every day, and they're like, "I'm gonna write some jokes today." I went to a doctor. No. I went to a doctor's Rock appointment. In the yeah, I went to a doctor's appointment recently, and they were like, "You know, are you experiencing, you know, this, that, and the other thing?" And they go, uh, "Any depression?" Uh-huh. I said, "Well, I'm a comedian." <laughs> they go, "Oh, so no?" And I was like, "Uh, so." <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's not And then they the must be laughing sl- all the time. Right, right. The nurse yeah. slowly turned and looked at me, and I was just like, "Go ahead and ask the next question." She goes, "Are you suicidal?" I was like, "Not currently." <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So you know, the process for getting hired. You know, you, you work the packet, and then you know, it was a big deal. Fallon bringing the Tonight Show from LA, you know, taking over after Jay and bringing it back to New York. Um, and then, you know, he's, a, he, you know, I, I imagine a lot of, or at least some of the crew um, and staff were brought over from his stint at late night. But, you know, with that in mind, like, what was it like sending that packet and then getting the call or getting the email um, for the Tonight Show? You know, I mean, like I, like I said, I watched, I watched the Tonight Show with my grandma as a kid. It was like I, I'd been in LA. It had been a while since I worked. Honestly, I'd like sent some packets to other shows. Like, like I got to the last round of Kimmel, but then I didn't get that. And I was like, I, I was honestly like, I'm gonna give up uh, very shortly because I, oh, wow. I a, a second kid was born. Like a, sec- a second kid was born. Honestly, like uh, a week before I got the Tonight Show gig. Oh, wow. So it was like, you know, like a jeez. Right yes. at the wire. <laughs> it was like, it, yeah, my wife is like, we don't have to move to New York now, do we? I'm like, right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right now. Yeah. It's the middle of winter. We're in LA. She just had a second kid. Uh, what was the question? Uh, just, you know, just the, uh, that initial putting, you know, putting in the packet, getting the call, like, what was it, you know, 
you got your box of your desk stuff under your arm and you know the elevator doors of 30 rock open and you walk into that floor with that studio yeah um, no it was um yeah i mean it was honestly it was kind of a dream come true i had like i was a big i was a big letterman fan and i'd seen him uh one of the one of the things that made me want to write comedy um for a living was i when i was a kid i went to new york you know i was grew up in ohio went to new york saw an episode of letterman taping at 30 rock and i was like i don't want to be in the audience i want to be on the other side making this show this this is so cool yeah uh, so like to watch you know to write jokes at 30 rock was uh it was a it was a dream come true uh I, I rode that high for maybe 30, 45 minutes. And then I was like terrified I wouldn't get a joke on the air. Oh, and wow. then I would get a joke on the air and I rode that high for 30, 45 minutes and then was terrified. Repeat for two and a half years. Um, wow. So yeah. I imagine um, the day to day at the Tonight Show, you said, I mean, it's, it is just joke writing, joke writing, joke writing, joke writing. Because I mean, what what's the per- what's the percentage or what's the ratio of jokes written to jokes making it to air yeah so like i i literally did write like some days probably 90 to 100 jokes uh and on a good day four jokes get on the air like that's a that's a great day that's like i'm riding high wow (laughs) you know on a bad day zero jokes you know on a bad week a couple days of zero jokes then i'm like oh (laughs) everyone's looking at me and i'm about to get fired uh and I think that was a pretty universal. I mean, I definitely knew. I, I don't think I was ever their like favorite writer, but I knew their favorite writer, and he wasn't anymore. <laughs> like, I felt for sure that I was. Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's just when I when I got the job, um, another guy who was a Conan guy uh, who got the job at the same round I did. When we and he was also in LA, so we moved. To, like, I met him and. We, we kind of moved to New York together. He was like, oh, monologue is the counting job of the comedy world. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, you're just you're just going to have your head down in front of a laptop, like typing all day long. I was yeah. like, oh, I, I thought it would be like in Dirty Rock. We were like, Nerf out. guns. Oh, Nerf guns. And, yeah, uh, and weird and quirky no. things. No, no, no. Yeah. Like no drinking. No, just no. Stare, staring at your staring at the your monitor uh, typing yeah going for quantity um that's wild it Um, was wild (laughs) yeah it was still like great anytime you get a joke on the air it's still an amazing feeling that's awesome so the uh in the midst of your uh run there at the tonight show um i saw that you were involved in the writing for uh jimmy hosting the golden globes i believe it was is that right you know i'll be honest my name is on the credits i didn't I don't know if I actually had anything in that show, but uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was say, was, was, out. there's no, was the, no Golden was, Globe stories. Uh, was he, the he did r- host. Yeah. He did do some writing for it. Like, I, I don't think I had anything on the air for that show. I was going to say, was the writing process any different than, I mean, I guess it's more focused on the actors and the Hollywood types. I mean, it's Hollywood foreign press. Yeah. But, I mean, so the way, like the way we wrote at the Tonight Show, which is, is they have a writer's assistant who combs through the news and just gives you premises. And premises are basically like the setup for a joke. Of course. And you can rephrase the premise to fit your joke and you should, but it's like, you're not even doing that much reading of the news. You're just like absorbing, 
you're like, oh, this is a setup. What's the punch? This is a setup. What's the punch? This is a setup. This is that that's kind of like, and I was on the monologue team, and that's how we wrote. There was also a whole sketch team, and they did other stuff. But that's we're awesome. just like responding to premises. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so so you're there. So you're there at the Tonight Show for a couple of years. Um, yeah. I think your run ended somewhere around uh, in 2018. If that's if, yeah, if was there that... for all of Trump's uh, election, and then yeah. Um. After you know, not long after that, COVID stuff yeah. shuts down. Shows restructure. Uh, you make the move to Ohio. I do. So what? you know where did where did the novelizers come from what made you say i know a podcast like how did that happen yeah yeah um so it's a long story it may be boring so i'm gonna let you give me a signal if we get to a boring part of the story gotcha (laughs) i've always thought like so first of all do you know what a novel uh novelization is some people don't some oh yeah i've I've got a shelf of star trek novelizations i'm sure you do Before, back in back in the day, before you could like watch anything on YouTube or Netflix or whatever, you would go to the theater and you would see Indiana Jones or the first Star Wars film, and then you want to really relive the magic, but you're not going to see it in the theater more than twice. How do you do it? You buy this pulpy book that like some sometimes hack writer is paid to just like take the movie, put it into a pulpy book that we can we can sell, and then fans can like relive the 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 movie it kind of as far as i know they kind of died out with uh the invention of vhs and dvds yeah yeah Yeah. unfortunately novelizations are yeah a a thing of a bygone era unfortunately and they were never never afforded that much respect but i so my original idea was like what if there is a novelization of a of a bad movie that's way better than the movie itself what if you like what if you have like i don't know weekend at bernie's two but you get like an amazing postmodern writer to just like give it all this meaning and, and and depth. I always thought that would be a great idea, but I am not a good writer. So I didn't have the chops to actually do this. So I had it in the back of my mind. And then uh and then during the pandemic, uh so did you did you pod with anyone during the pandemic? I don't know. Uh my show got started about two years ago. So it was definitely not podcast, but like the pod where you were like only seeing a few so it, oh, it, you know that yeah, like you only yeah. See, yeah. So, um, in, you know, it hit, I was in New York, it hit New York really hard. Mm-hmm. There were like sirens in case you forgot about it. There were always sirens like outside the window. So families were like, okay, we've got kids. You've got kids. We're only going to hang out with you for as long as, you know, maybe for eternity. I don't know. <laughs> so we actually potted with, do you know the, the book Station Eleven? You heard of it? It's, it became an HBO show. It's a post-apocalyptic uh, sounds familiar yeah. yeah book written by a fabulous writer we potted with her family so i was like hey while we're potting together how about this novelization idea why don't you take and then so the idea was still then why don't we take this uh campy movie and have a great like great writers each write a chapter mm. and she was she was actually game but we didn't really get any other uh fabulous uh national book award winning writers on board at that point it was a little bit of a stretch uh so fast forward to i moved to ohio um and i'm like every tuesday so my star trek connection this is a long and winding story no this Uh, is great but my star trek connection is in college i was the editor of the college humor magazine with a bunch of super funny people uh and we would all watch the next generation together and we would just like sit watch next generation and make jokes and that was like a weekly routine Nice. Um, 
and we all and so and we all lost touch because that those were college buddies and then when picard came on we were like hey we should reunite the band and watch picard all together over zoom this new application called zoom and we'll make jokes about it and, and just pretend like we're still in college so we started doing that then the pandemic hit and then we're like well this is our social life now. So let's, so we just kept doing that. So every Tuesday night, and we still do it. I just talked to my old college humor magazine buddies. Um, then we had the idea like, oh, we should do, we should, we used to write jokes together. We should write jokes again. Why don't we do some kind of story tag where I write a chapter and then you write a chapter and you write a chapter. And then I'm like, ah, the novelization idea. Mm. Let's, if we all novelize a movie, different scenes of a movie, we can all write at the same, we can all write this at the same time. You have your scene that's you write each everyone writes a scene and we'll mash them all up together at the end. We'll have a whole movie told in all these different styles. And then that. So we were originally going to be a book. And then we're like, oh, maybe we'll get some actors to narrate it. And then it just ballooned from that. And then I was like, oh, you know, I worked with a lot of very funny people in my life. I'm just going to invite them to novelize chapters. Oh, that's awesome. So that's that's the long and winding uh, road to the novelizers podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I've, I've listened to uh, the first three episodes of season one, which you guys, uh, you know, uh, it's out now and you guys are doing Wrath of Khan. I even wore my Wrath of Khan shirt today. Love it. <laughs> I see that. Love it. Um, so what made, uh, you know, what's the criteria for choosing a film for novelizers? Uh in other words, why Wrath of Khan? Why why yeah. is that one the first one? And you know what? We batted around a bunch of ideas. And then um, one of my friends was like, Khan. And it was like, everyone was like instantly like, oh, that's definitely the movie. Wow. Um, and first of all, we all, I, like I said, we all got together watching Next Generation. So that was kind of our common bond. Okay. So a Star Trek movie, perfect. You know, it's, it's like, it's got Ricardo Montalban. It's got Shatner. So it's like, it's definitely not camp value. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, but I feel like it hasn't, there's, yeah, if you look, you know, there has been some Wrath of Khan uh, comedy in the world, but it mm -hmm. hasn't been like parodied to death, I feel like. So it was still like, I think felt like there was some, some, still some unexplored uh, territory there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Discovered country, if you will. Of course, uh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Earlier this year, um, I actually went to New York for, the con the musical which was there off broadway there and yeah. it was a and that was amazing so when i found um well i think i think novelizers ended up following computer resume first and i was like hmm. and i saw the the logo and i saw the you know promotional image which is uh which are wonderfully done by the way of uh, you know some folks in starfleet uniform i was like okay what is this and then see like with Andy Richter and all, you know, all these amazing writers, you know, um, David Goodman, um, you know, who wrote on enterprise yeah, yeah. drama and, and a bunch of stuff like, and then you've got, uh, you know, Andy Richter's the host and you've got, uh, Christina Chong, uh, John Benjamin, uh, Felicia day. Like the, the list goes on and on of like, this is amazing. So like, You've got the writers and you've got the film and you've got a plan, but how did, how did like Andy Richter and the rest of the cast come into play? We get them. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I don't want to give away my, too many of my secrets. That's fine. <laughs> my main secret is just like, 
asking them <laughs> and then being shocked when people say yes. Uh, my other secret is that my co-creator of the podcast, one of my co-creators, so we have uh, a bunch of people help out. Um, Chris Karwowski, who's an Onion guy, uh, did Onion Audio stuff, uh, mm. is our is a co-creator and an editor. Uh, and Rob Kuttner, who is a Daily Show and Conan writer, is also, um, and he's a writer on the podcast and also like a, a co-producer of the podcast. And he is just, he just knows everyone. And uh, so he, how, um, how did we get, so he was a Conan guy. So we got, he asked Andy Richter. Uh, mm -hmm. Andy is super generously uh, donated his time um, to get this like unknown podcast launched. So I like, I, you know, I owe him uh, everything for this and I'm, I've been a fan forever. So yeah, uh, I mean, Andy's, Andy's the best. Um, but I think he just liked the concept and, and uh, you know, it's one of the things I like about the podcast is it doesn't, and this was kind of by design as like a pandemic project. Um, it, it doesn't ask too much of any one person. I yeah. mean, besides our editor, besides me, besides a few other people, it like, you know, if you if you want to know if you're a comedy writer and you want to novelize a chapter, you don't have to come up with anything from scratch. You just like, here's your scene. Just add jokes. You don't have to write. You don't have to create characters or do plot. All you have to do is do jokes. And comedy writers love writing jokes. Oh, yeah. If you're an actor, you just like it's a very it's four pages of prose. You just got to read it and, and, and bring your A game. Yeah, and that's you know everyone has a mic these days. So, um, but I'm I'm sh you know when J.K. Simmons says yes, I'm like, why did he say yes? That's amazing. <laughs> you know, Ira Glass uh, read my chapter, and I'm like a big This American Life fan. It's like that's his voice and my jokes. It's yeah. still like totally thrilling. Yeah, it's it's amazing because uh, you know one of the things, and again, I'm only three episodes in, but the the style of writing really comes to the surface very quickly because I was like, how do they have all these writers working on this same thing together? And I was like, Oh, they're writing it separately. So each person brings their own flair to it, which is exactly, which is really, really fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's like an audio book that every, you know, every 15 minutes changes to a totally, it's the same story, but a totally different voice and a totally different style. Um, yeah, I think that that keeps it interesting. And I mean, there's like, there's a musical episode. There's like a episode from the perspective of Scotty that like turns into train spotting and we get this great Scottish comedian to narrate it. And it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just great. I love what, uh, I love what some of the, some of the writers have come up with. So one of the things about novelizers specifically, I wanted to ask about, because I was surprised when I started reading the, or reading, when I started listening to the first episode was the middle segment where yeah. you've got the Kev, the intern, right. Interviewing uh, someone who worked on the film. And obviously it's not someone who worked on the film, but yes. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. Ripping the curtains down. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but. Didn't but uh, like, how did how did that segment? Because I mean, the novel yeah, yeah. novelizers as a concept is pretty concrete. Like, and this is a um, you know in the same vein, but you know next to it. Like, how did that come to be? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I'll tell you. It's so originally it was going to be one chapter per episode, mm -hmm. and then someone who knows a lot more than pod about podcasts than I do. Is like you can't have 10 minute episodes. It's just way too short. And that's what the chapters were timing out to. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, we'll put two episodes together. Still wasn't doing it. 
three, if we put three episodes together, three chapters together, we're kind of like burning through everything too fast. So we needed something to space it out a little bit. And um, we were like, should we write comedy sketches between the, you know, between chapters? But we're kind of, and then I, 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 Kevin Carter, who is a friend of mine, he runs the improv uh, school and, and studio here in Dayton, Ohio, where I live. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we had lunch. And I was like, I'd lo- I'm doing this podcast. I'd love to get you in. Uh, and then we just came up with the idea of interviewing people. And I know a lot of like improv comics too. And I'm like, here's a great, you know, everything else is like so scripted. It's nice to have this very loose, uh, loose section. And it's, you know, we got, you know, Matt Walsh from UCB and Will Hines, and we have some uh, super, super funny people join for the interview section. It's it's a lot of people. It's their favorite part of the podcast. Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, break between between the chapters, because the first the first interview, I believe, is the ear slug wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the second one is William Shatner's body double. And yes. from there and it just gets better and better from there uh and i'm having an absolute blast with it um so uh anything else that you can sort of tease about what's coming up i mean the episodes have been running for a while now um how many more chapters do we have so it's gonna be 10 uh 10 episodes 20 chapters and we're gonna end it with uh with an epilogue that's not actually in the film and I think that's going to be a that's I think that's going to be a running thing we do. Like, what happens to the characters? Pretend you didn't see the next movie. What oh, happens to the funny. characters uh, three months later or something? Um, nice. And Dave Hill, I don't know, it, uh, a super funny comedian uh, and author, wrote and narrated that one. And it's it's uh, it's one of my favorites. It's really funny. Um, nice. I'll just say that Spock might not be as dead as you imagine. Oh, I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, Stephen, uh, we're we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, do you want to do a lightning round? Let's do it. I am so good at lightning rounds. New York or L.A.? New York. Who's the funniest person you know? This is going to sound cheesy, but my daughter, is she's seven, but she's just like, and she's not like funny in like a, oh, kids say the darndest things. She like has this amazing timing and delivery she's wow yeah watch out we would have we would have also accepted uh the host of the computer resume podcast mr tony davis that's okay that's okay you're still in this you're still in this all right so go to technique for dealing with writer's block uh i think you just plow through honestly there's no such thing as writer's block you just have to wrestle it to the ground nice nice most famous person you've ever met uh also gonna go with my daughter are you? Is, is you the <laughs> You know what? I'll accept both of those answers. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you snore? I do, unfortunately. Is it sleep apnea? I'm really worried. Do I need to start wearing one of those breathing things? I've got sleep apnea, like oh, God, severe, severe. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pretty big guy, but I've got, I mean, it's bad. It's really yeah. bad. The I don't first, think I snore, but my wife thinks I snore, and she's probably right about this one. <laughs> The first apnea attack I ever had was actually on our honeymoon. Oh. It was a it was a bad one too. And uh, I came back from the back. I mean, I went from prone to sprinting. Oh sh- yeah, it just because you're laying there and then you're aware that you're dying. That's that's oh how, yeah yeah. yeah. So you <laughs> we wear talk the... more, Yeah yeah. Right. We talk more this is a that. lightning round. Yeah yeah. Um, 
Is British comedy actually funny? Oh, totally. Nice. Give us an example. Hitchhiker's Guide was another uh, early favorite of mine. Nice. Will you endorse my skills on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Nice. That is correct. I mean, you got the on-air sign behind you. That, That alone speaks to your incredible radio skills. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Can you spell Steve Agee's last name correctly on the first try? Uh, A G E E E E E. That is correct. All right. <laughs> That's how you do a lightning round, folks. <laughs> Well, Stephen, thank you so much for carving out the time uh, to talk with us here today and giving us a uh, behind-the-scenes look at your life, your career, and the industry, and especially uh, novelizers. Um, Do you have any parting thoughts before we start to wrap this up about your work, the industry, the podcast, your experience here on the Computer Resume podcast? Any parting thoughts before we go? Uh, Keep reaching for the sky and keep reaching for your dreams. (laughs) All right. Well, one more time, tell the audience a little bit about Novelizers and where they can find it online. Yeah. The the Novelizers with Andy Richter is available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we take uh, classic films, have TV comedy writers novelize them, and then have them narrated by comedians and actors, including many actors from, uh, from Star Trek. Christina Chong narrates our pilot with H. John Benjamin. Nice. And uh, where can they be? Uh, where can the show be found on socials? Oh, yeah. It's uh, at The Novelizers on Twitter and Instagram. Nice. And uh, where can people bother you on the internet? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can bother me at, at Stephen Levinson, S T E P H E N L E V I N S O N on Instagram. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 Forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?